as we um, cultivate this, this is uh, referring to chitta, which is the, the sense of who we are, in a way, the sense of our both receptive me sense, what's happening to me, and also a directive I, I do sense. And this is both, this is one is the effective and the other is the responsive aspects of chitta this is the chitta is that which is potentially has potential for liberation is also the seat of the defilements and uh, fetters and so on so how to work with the chitta the sense of me I am to free it and to free it actually from those senses in brief and uh, saying that the <coughs> being uh, in meditation we're actually using the, the the sensory channels the chitta is affected by all of these what is seen or actually is seeing and hearing, and then the resonances and the effects that come up with that, and the volitional pushes and the retracting that come up with seeing, uh, and then particular objects. Mm. Even more, so with the seeing visual sense, you can actually contemplate going back to the very diffused state <coughs> where there's no focus at all <coughs> then come into something which is just kind of middling where the beginning of object definition occurs where you start to recognize oh I'm here and then the, the volitional impulse moves into well now what should I look at and you point towards something that's pleasing or safe or not, you know, doesn't disturb, or that's exciting or interesting, or whatever. You can actually see what happens using the eyes, in that just the focusing exercise is a kind of soft focus. Feels pretty undefined. Could feel slightly vulnerable. I don't know. I haven't got anything to hang on to. And then going down to tightening up and you can actually feel as you, as you as you narrow your focus there is a bodily sense tightens up with that you can get the feeling of how the the kaya effect goes along with the jitta effect so if you really want to focus on something that's the size of a pinhead and you really focus on that you you feel something a kind of tightening and intensification in your whole bodily sphere mm the point when actually you do that a long time you might even get a headache a very tight focus like that <coughs> and then the very attitudes that can come up which are on the focus itself very highly directed focus sense of you know doing it going places getting along uh, working to the more completely open focus where it feels quite innocent and passive. 
but um, formless, you know. so helpless really, and potentially vulnerable. And we may favour you know, particular ends of that spectrum. <coughs> Meditation, because <coughs> at one end of the spectrum you come into the the um, corruptions that occur around the sense of direction, you know, the greed or the forcefulness or the dismissiveness or the that kind of demanding quality. And the other end of the spectrum you come to the you also get the corruptions that affect the sense of me, the receptive sense, um, wanting to disappear, um, not wanting to be anything, kind of vibhava instincts. Mm. So we meditation, we generally begin about the middle ground, which is just just object definition. One isn't intensely looking at details, just that ability to get to a basic focus you can do with your eyes, you know, as an example, just to get your sense of what it feels like in your body and what you feel like. And then holding that focus. And very often what will occur is, is some sense of restlessness. Well, because do something or get to the point or pick something up. Or, go, or think of something, go somewhere else. Because uh, just when you come to object definition, it's like it's, it, there's a potential there to either get involved with something or whatever. You're not really involved, but you, you're definitely present. And that's, that's a, a threshold. That's the place where we can be predators or prey, if you like. See, seeing or seen. We can either find something interesting in this and get into it, or we could go somewhere else, think about something, remember something, you know, go to another sense channel. And you can see the kind of wavering of uh, a desire, or aversion, or fear, you know, getting bored. And just being able to sustain focus and let those effects be known and pass away. <clears throat> and in Dharma practice, the um, you know, practicing like that, kind of you know, just a steady middle focus um, is the safest. You don't go into the extremes, um, and then receiving the effect of what happens when you just do sustain and allow those effects to wash through the mind, pass away, not, not make anything out of them. Not try and control it. Not try to be good at it, but just sustaining that middle focus. And you can, you know, feeling the, that in one's mind which wants to be something or get somewhere or this isn't interesting enough or whatever. And just sustaining focus. Sustaining it. Mm. And taking in the results of that, the evenness of mind, the relinquishment of views, the cooling of passions, not a suppression of them, but a cooling of them. Because you do get with that, 
and you also with you get the sense of something good coming back because the receptive sense has to be fed otherwise you don't get any any interest in what you're doing you can only be keep directing for as long as there's some positive result in it and if the direction directing your attention is so so much effort you get tired you don't get you don't you don't get a good result you just feel tired and strung out you don't do it anymore so keeping a reasonable level of exertion whereby you're not you know, going 100% flat out on it but it's not so much pushing as sustaining where you still have enough, the receptivity is there there's still the lightness <coughs> to be able to experience the results you feel your body your bodily sense feels rested it's alert, it's not tightened up, mm. <coughs> it's not disappeared. <coughs> so you can do meditate, you can do this with your eyes open, and that can be helpful because the eyes are a very dominant sense channel, and uh, for counteracting the pull of the conceiving mind which can be extremely strong or the welling up of effects you may find it beneficial to use a, a, a dominant sense channel like that one which you know, whereas uh, body body may not be very strong for you the hearing channel the sense of the open listening which is um, very good for a wider and a more um, emotive receptivity. <coughs> and these is, this, is, this kind of tone is useful because something that does can help us is that a sense of being within something. So something that's 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 non-intrusive. Yeah. So with you eyes visually then you're not in something you're it's out there you know you don't see behind you it's a very much of that which is in front of you because your ears you hear all around you very much you're in the center of something that's around you and you can it's kind of non-intrusive allowing space all around and sitting in that and taking that effect in it can be calming. Just feel what it feels like in your mind, in your chitta, and also in your body. You take it in deeply enough to till you get the bodily sense of at rest, relaxed, able to be here without making anything out of it. body sense itself is very <coughs> interesting because if we go to exploring bringing up the idea of touching or, or of being touched there's quite a heightened um, awareness around that you can imagine it something's about to touch animate or inanimate there's some sense really quite alert 
for that because of course that's a potential source of threat or pleasure strongly Mm. and in the internal sense of the body a feeling of having substance being having firmness being having some some uh, solidity there so what's it like to walking meditation just walking along and again you know you keeping the focus fairly middling uh, and recognize that as you're walking along you're walking through unobstructed non-intrusive space and you, and you know you have to if you don't focus on it you know we have an assumption of what walking is you're just plodding along getting somewhere and it's something the feet do while the head does something else and that's the way we normally walk about you know, your feet do the walking your head plans what you can do tomorrow yesterday da 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 so you don't actually fully walk, you just a little bit walks and the rest of you go somewhere else. Because of that we tend to kind of not really get with walking meditation. Or I think we understand it, it's just the feet. Actually what you know when you're exploring the body sense of walking, you, know, you have these two senses, the that which touches the ground and feels the coolness or the warmth of the atmosphere, tactile, and that which is just about bodily presence, the feeling of balances and pressures and energies moving within the body as you walk. Contemplate all that. And then what's it like recognizing you're walking along through a non-intrusive, unobstructed space, your space, nothing's going to jump on you. There's no pressure. And let your body feel that. Sometimes you can always recognize that a lot of the time we walk along with our, with some kind of armoring, you know, particularly around the chest or the face because this is where you're going to get the impact. So you walk along, you know you're not physically hunched. There's an energetic contraction or holding across the chest, the throat, the face. The eyes are slightly tightened. The head has its helmet on. This is, um, you know, daily battleground, isn't it? Stuff's going to jump at you. So just coming on, consciously focusing on the surface of the body. and Unobstructed, non-intrusive space. Stand in it. And how the ground carrying the body. These are ways in which we can use focus to to settle chitta. Recognizing things we didn't really recognize. They're here all the time. We don't really know them. Don't really recognize them. These are the, the two um, two levels of of obscurity, non-recognition. One is a delusion, moha, 
the other is ignorance, avijja, and the, <coughs> the ignorance or avijja, unknowing, not seeing, not sensing, is the is the deepest one. Moha, delusion, is is a uh, is more to the surface, and moha is is one of the three toxic roots of uh, greed or sometimes lust raga or loba or raga um, hatred dosa aversion and delusion these three roots and the, the <coughs> we may recognize easily the the uh, unskillfulness of hatred we recognize eventually the unskillfulness of greed <laughs> and uh, but uh, delusion and the, there's a saying in the Anguttara Nikaya where the Buddha says well actually lust is blameworthy but um, relatively quick and easy to deal with hatred is blameworthy and more um, slower to deal with and delusion is, is the most difficult one uh, the most difficult one because delusion you don't know you're deluded and delusion accompanies the others because delusion actually sets up the premise for example that you know you can have and get and be happy and even though you had it yesterday and weren't happy um, <laughs> it still sets that up yeah. yesterday watching my marmite slide into my yogurt in my arms bowl wistfully would my, would my, my yogurt didn't have marmite in it would I be happy <laughs> probably not but at the moment uh, uh, you know, the, the, the mind loses that <coughs> and delusion also is so it, it covers the other three so you don't really not really aware because it covers it with a range of of kind of inflections such as uh, it's not fair um, it should be another way uh, so there's various there are inflect, uh, delusions which are views I don't see why I have to do this it's not fair I shouldn't it should be another way somebody else is getting a better deal and so on so we don't recognize the greed or the hatred because you get this sput- sputtering of righteousness or um, uh, resistance of views. So this is a very strong one. It's my rights, my, uh, and so on. Somebody else is getting one. Why don't I? Kind of thing. Or I don't need to do this. Um, and it's not to, you know. And what it does, then you go into the intellectual. No. Oh. Okay, you go into the intellectual base. Well, actually, when you look at it on paper, I don't see why. Yes, it's true. And it is, because you've actually shifted away from the jitter effect into a conceptual piece of logic. <laughs> but the problem wasn't, wasn't the logic in the first place. The problem was the, the effect. So you try to solve with logic what is actually um, an emotive effect. It's like, you know, trying to sort of peel a coconut with a with a uh, um, 
pocket knife or something. It's just it's, it's not the right thing to do it with. So the 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 uh, delusion often throws things into the into the conceptual category where we can mull over and deduce and and be logical and fair and reasonable and abstract and on paper. Um, this is a kind of quite favoured human technique. And in that we can get quite heated and angry and passionate and so forth. Not, still not recognising, hey, I'm really quite angry here. Uh, but instead we're still talking in terms of rights and wrongs and shoulds and shouldn'ts. This is obviously, you see this as being beautifully modelled by almost every single world leader, politician, right down to the local mayor. You know, they get, they get upset and angry and nasty and spiteful and call it righteous and for your own good and so forth. So, you know, and of course, the, the skilled at, at stirring people up by, by, and so delusion is very contaminating. We, we enjoy it somewhere, something enjoys it, takes you away from that pang of, of feeling the, the sadness or the loss or the wanting. This is one effect of delusion is to is to throw attention away from the point. So you know, often the case certainly with you know, things like vinya rules and patimoka rules, sangha structures, you get wound up. Um you know, and they, they, so it's not to you know we can always consider ways in which things could be otherwise. I remember one day when I was quite new to the sangha, and we got went to the I was training in in England, and they had this thing where you could you weren't allowed to drink milk in the afternoon, but you could eat cheese in the afternoon. I said, this is silly. How come milk is food and cheese isn't food? Everybody knows cheese is food. You put it in sandwiches. Everybody knows milk isn't food. It's a drink. Why is it that you, why is it that you can't drink milk in the afternoon, but you can eat cheese in the afternoon? This is stupid. This is silly. So, so I went to Ajahn Samedo and said, this is stupid. This is silly. Why can't <laughs> Why don't we eat cheese? Why can't we eat cheese in the afternoon and can't drink milk in the afternoon? It's just stupid. It's just silly. He just smiles and says, It's a crazy world. <laughs> 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 Which was a very good answer because <laughs> suddenly, you know, it's a way to just go back to the feeling of indignation. And, oh, so what? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, is it gonna, what is it, in the end, if you. Is it, is it going to make me happier, wiser, more compassionate if I eat, drink milk in the afternoon or not? You know, no, it doesn't really matter, does it? So it's, it's all, once you recognize that, uh, that human conventions are all absurd and notional, then, um, you know, it uh, makes the whole thing a lot easier because it, it's not really the point. Conventions, 
but they can indicate to us um, as we do get wound up about things um, the unfairness and the silliness and the routineness and the boringness and the and all these kinds of things of organ- organizations and hierarchies you know that by you can feel the heat and it going out into thinking of why it should be could be why it's why isn't it just feel I feel angry oh it's more like it <laughs> then we come to something that's more useful and then be able to just focus on that the frustration or you know the frustration when I can't do what seems obvious and normal to me yeah or we can infer this means if I'm junior I'm stupid I am weak, I am feeble, I am inadequate. We can these inferences. Mm. And then there's very painful jitter effects and in inferences like that. But just to you know, and you hold the focus and see actually so that, that you can see something separate from these inferences and effects just as a as a shape or as a form. And then being able to not pick up the power and the pressures and the fears and the superiorities and the conceits and the inferiors, these kind of tones, although we may indeed benefit enormously from just studying them, where they come from, what they're about, how they affect the body, what the mind does with them. We overwhelm and they spin out. You know, but it really is the, 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 the delusion is the pain of it because it, it keeps one from getting to the point of dealing with these um, emotive effects. which are much more pertinent and if they could be dealt with would give liberation, fulfillment, freedom of heart. So that this kind of dealing with illusion actually Trying to penetrate delusion doesn't mean dismissing it. It means just coming to the really, the the very core of that. What actually is underneath the de- the delusion, the f- which is often we we can't bear to be with something, so the mind has to cover it up. Views is one thing. It does that, and so surely what is really needed is to be able to receive that those effects, breathe them in, breathe them out, practice with them. Other form of delusion very often is is just numbing out, which is avoidance, not being present, too painful, too difficult, therefore disappear, don't be present, push it under the carpet, whatever we do with things like that. It's It's the kind of uh, freeze mechanism 
something too painful to think about and oh goodness uh, you know, numb out so I find my mind does this um, move it hasn't doesn't do the views so much now and I've got the ability to really believe in them <laughs> though I've, I've had most of them I think <laughs> uh, but uh, this sense of the kind of just go numb wait for it to pass is, is a, the way uh, the strategy that happens at a kind of fairly involuntary level and drop the topic think of something else and then distraction think of something else go somewhere else these are, this is a delusion and so you'd be on the watch out for these these experiences they must happen they're not wrong nothing you can't see anything wrong with these or feel you know one's doing something wrong this is this is the situation where we have the possibility to to be with our delusion you know to actually open it up and investigate it because it's a very potent um, source something that's that is stuck in us open it out, feel into it, and then what is the, what's the real trigger for that, what, what's, what is there, mm. often it's some sense of the frustration, I can't, or the feeling of personal inadequacy, or overwhelm, or helplessness, me sense, Holding focus steadily and investigating is the remedy for delusion. The Buddha called it Yonisol Manasikara. Directing or Manasikara is the work of the mind, Yonisol, to the source or to the to the womb, to the matrix of experience. So you're getting to the core of it, investigate. Mm. And it's not purely an, an intellectual inquiry, because all investigation, dhamma vijaya, means bringing um, this ability to to contemplate rather than think. And the difference there is contemplation itself has got a as a as a as an effective rather than intellectual. So often investigation is really relatively simple. You know, in, in conceptual terms, it's just trying to feel it, question these, the, the, the flurry or the blur or the, the rapid thinking or the numbing out, what's happening, and then just then feeling, more being more receptive to the, to the effects in the body and the mind. And along with that receptivity comes the, what is needed to support that, which is the, the refuge quality, the metta quality, compassionate quality so that sustaining focus is not purely a matter of, of 
directive willpower, but also of sustained um, kindness, safety, value, refuge. So you can hold one's own pain and madness in something that's um, non-judgmental, not in a hurry, quite, you know, is uh, giving you the support that's needed. That's why we take take refuge, and it's it's a very valuable, again, rather underestimated, in my opinion. One of the difficulties of this is what Awija really comes down to in, in practical terms, so, which is a deeper level of problem and more crucial one. Right? Awija is sometimes defined as the not knowing the Four Noble Truths or really not penetrating the Four Noble Truths. It can be not knowing or not sensing the unconditioned, or Nibbana. And these are encapsulations. Of course, you know, just reciting the Four Noble Truths doesn't clear Awija. Knowing them intellectually doesn't clear it, but really it's sensing and feeling the causality of suffering rather than that suffering is me and my fault, or her and her fault, or them and their fault. But the causality of it, you know, this suffering is based upon holding on, this suffering is based upon a sense of identification with the five khanda. This suffering um, has an origin and it can be let go of, there is a letting go that can be done, it can be experienced. And it, it's not just knowing this, but actually being in touch with that process. So, the word vija is closely associated with vedana and semantically, which means that it's feeling. So when you translate avija, it's like not feeling or not sensing is as good as not knowing. You know, and it gives you perhaps a, a, a realize this is a jitta ignorance, it's not an intellectual ignorance, it's a means the affective tone doesn't get it. Um it's not, it doesn't receive that. It doesn't experience release. It doesn't have a feeling for release. It doesn't have a feeling for um, there is a way. It's, it's, it's stuck in a I am this, I always was this, I always will be this sense. You know, it's locked into this is a wrong view. It's not an intellectual view. It's an effective disposition, fatalism. Um, where you can feel the sense of just being helplessly trapped, stuck. So when we you know, think and consider ignorance and contemplate it, you one can recognize um, you know, there's places and times and perhaps people and dispositions don't much of a reference for something called trust. 
It's a word. Actually, it's, there's not an effect there, or the effect there is very limited. Trust is, is a very limited, maybe, maybe this is an aspect of a vijja. You don't feel it, you don't feel trust. Or you only feel it very, you know, rarely on special occasions, you know, but as a continual thing, it's, it's limited. Or one may very well have this sense of uh, confidence in oneself, or self-respect, very limited. Only on certain occasions, or barely at all. This is a Ouija. It means you don't get the sense of that. You don't have a sense for it. And you may not know that because what have you got to measure it against? If you don't actually, all you have is your own jitta, you know, which always seems to be, well, normal and me, you know. So I don't notice what I don't have because I haven't got anything to refer to, you know. So we don't know that we don't respect ourselves. We don't, we have a, don't have a feeling for it. Or confidence. Now fortunately most of us have you know, some degree of feeling for this but it probably fluctuates. You know, it's there to, um, on special occasions, certain times, I'm okay, I do things that I'm good at, therefore I'm in that confident space, I can do this. And then, uh, uh-oh, coming out of that, oh dear, it's all gone. You know, feel like useless, helpless, idiot, can't make this at all. They say one of the most difficult things is um, being with other people, and particularly speaking, addressing groups of people. And many people just can't... uh, Freeze up, freeze solid on that. Things they knew, they di- things they knew, don't suddenly disappear. And so this is this is an example of how, you know, a Ouija flares up in particular circumstance, and it actually cripples the effective ability to both sense and respond. Mm. You know, and who you sense what you sense yourself as being. You suddenly feel very narrow, small, and you know you before you were out there, you were quite fluent and happy and joyful and big or whatever. And now you suddenly feel contracted and small. That's a Ouija, and you can feel it in your body. You can feel yourself shrink <laughs> or tighten. Yeah. You feel yourself suddenly go very heavy becomes difficult to get through a day. That's that's a Ouija, that's like literally non sense. It means that the the full vitality and the sensitivities have disappeared and we go into something numb and heavy. And then of course it's self fulfilling because when we're in that state we can't really function properly and so you know, you get, it gets affirmed. You are. Always was always will be. <laughs> they have proved it. See, you've made a mess again. Proved it. So then the Ouija contributes to the delusion, which is more active. <coughs> so, 
you know, refuge is really important. And say meeting meeting the true being, because then you may actually get a sense of what it's like to feel trust, or feel respected, or feel non-threatened. Refuge. What's that? What is there? And it's in oneself. Feeling out what that feels like. It may be triggered by a situation or a person or a moment, but recognizing what happens intimately in your in your own body and mind when you feel light and fluid and alive and oh yeah, that's 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 me too. So then images <coughs> images, perceptions that bring that evoke that are all part of refuge practice. So refuge is a kind of like an almost immediate um pushing away of avijja but then of course it, it, it comes back again it's latent not, not eradicated until uh, one has actually taken these opportunities of meditation, refuge, precepts, monasteries you know, whatever these positive tones bring to, to deepen one's insight into the into the citta and into the conditional arising of stress, suffering and into healing so that the citta actually does attune to something like trust in the present moment which is, you know, say it's unconditioned in a way it's like, it's here, it doesn't have anything in it you can't say what it is, it, it's, got, it's open hmm. You bring up a term like that and can recognize trust in the present moment. But how long will that last for? <laughs> Mind really worries <laughs> or gets anxious. But what if? <laughs> Just trust in the present moment. Well, who's going to do the washing up? You know? So, you know, mine immediately, you know, the delusion factor is so strong that you can kind of, mind jumps out of it immediately. You know? oh, it isn't Buddhism. <laughs> go to a view <laughs> see how what delusion is how it just leaves the territory and spins starts to spin something up so every time it does it just go, yeah stop that's that okay and you feel that you know you can retract relax oh yeah and then it helps the more you can Feel this the bodily sense, as I've said before, because it, it's almost like that invests that realization. You feel it in your own body, and the benefit of that is it's like a deeper sense of learning than the emotive or the or the conceptual. Yeah, yeah. because it means that certain energies in your body are redirected. 
Yeah. Um, so you don't get that kind of surging or the flattening or the numbing or the chilling or the bristling. And then the mind actually can't operate in terms, you know, in those terms if the body doesn't support it. If the body doesn't give the energy for it, the mind can't do it. You can think, you know, any old, read any old nasty thoughts you like, but it doesn't, it doesn't get you going until your body says, here's some energy <laughs> to do it with. So if the, the body actually has its own presence, then the mind stuff can't get going. So that helps to, to really um, check these outflows. Hold them back. And reviewing how these uh, thoughts and impulses arise. What they, what they form. What gets grabbed by them. The whole spiral of me and I and mine and how I don't want I'm going to get out and can and can't and am and aren't. Mm. Delusion. If the body channel is is uh, it's difficult. Try working the visual, the auditory, as something to support rather than distract the heart. Something that gives you something to focus on and be held by. in a way where there's enough, you're not so forcefully directed that you can't receive the, the effects of a sustained and uh, rich awareness. Mm. 